back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 225. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we will begin our study of the prophet Jeremiah, the book Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah was writing at a very interesting time, a crossroads in the history of the people of Israel. He was a prophet for about 40 years, spanning the years uh, 626 BC to maybe a little after 586 BC. So about 40 years, right? And during that time, there was easily the most important event, at least in the, in the history of Southern uh, Israel, since the uh, United Kingdom uh, was, uh, was broken up. So, and that is, of course, the Babylonian takeover of Judah and the, uh, the 70 years of captivity where they sent the best and brightest people uh, of, of Judah to Babylon to, uh, to serve the king, Nebuchadnezzar, there. So uh, he's writing at a time of crisis, and he had a message that wasn't very popular with anybody. He preached, hey, folks, you got to repent. You got to be obedient to God. And guess what? The, we're going to fall. We are going to fall to the Babylonians. It's inevitable. God is using Babylon to chasten us for all of our idolatry, all of our wickedness, all of our uh, uh, you know, issues with uh, honesty, uh, with not taking care of widows or orphans, um, you know, corruption in government and in making bad political alliances. Remember, the people were supposed to trust in God as their leader and through the, through the prophets. But instead, they made some awful political alliances, one with Assyria and one with Egypt, to try to protect them. Uh, the one with Assyria, they just kind of paid them off. That didn't work in the, in the north or for that matter in the south for very long. And the one with Egypt ended up being disastrous. So he's, he's going about saying, folks, we're going to fall. And here is why. And he, all those things that I just listed, uh, primarily idolatry. But, uh, so he's unpopular with everybody, his neighbors, his family, his friends of course, kings, etc. And he's actually imprisoned for his messages. We'll see that in chapter 37. He's thrown into a well that's full of just mud in chapter 38. And then ultimately he's taken to Egypt against his will by the uh, people that are afraid of the Babylonians and they're, they're leaving. And uh, he's thought to have been assassinated there by his own people. You won't read that in scripture anywhere, anywhere. But uh, that is one legend that came from the Jewish people, is that he was uh, stoned, actually, there in Egypt by his own people. And he complains a lot to God about his rough life. Maybe you'll be able to relate to this as we go through it. Uh, Jeremiah has traditionally been thought of also as the author of the book of Lamentations, which follows, uh, which follows the book of Jeremiah, fairly short book there. And uh, so other prophets in Jeremiah's time, because remember, he's writing 
about what's going to happen with this Babylonian exile. There's a couple other prophets in that general time frame. You might want to write this in your margins. Uh, Zephaniah is a prophet who has his own book that we will look at briefly. It's not a terribly long book. Zephaniah prophesied between 640 and 609 BC. Habakkuk uh, prophesied between 605 and 597, so a little overlap there. And Ezekiel, one of the major prophets that we'll study soon, uh, who was exiled to Babylon in 597 BC. So he is a also kind of a contemporary. Uh, there, there is some overlap between all of these prophets. And they're writing, as you might guess, about the same thing, right? Whoa, Babylon is coming. We are in big trouble here. How are we supposed to look at this? But the overall message uh, for us, I think, Jeremiah, he, he was a failure in the eyes of man. I mean, nobody liked him because he had a bad message. Uh, but he was a faithful follower. And uh, so he is he's promised rewards by God, but he doesn't seem to ever get them on this earth. Okay, so you got to ask yourself as we go through this book, um, what is more important to you, the, the approval of man or the approval of God? And uh, the, the, the message for us also is, hey, speak against, speak truth to power. Okay, it may not be popular, but you're going to spend eternity somewhere. And whatever abuse you take for speaking truth to power here on this earth will be relatively short-lived relative to uh, eternity. Okay, that said, this book of Jeremiah is 51 chapters long. I'm not going to read it to you. You can read it at least as well as I can. But I'm going to point out some verses that you might consider underlining, uh, ideally with a crayon. And there will be a few where we can, where we will see some New Testament quotations that I might uh, suggest that you write in your margins as well. Okay, so unless you're driving, turn to Jeremiah chapter 1. And we in your margins, next to where he says, the, the word of the Lord first came to him in the days of Josiah in the 13th year of his reign. Uh, in your margins, if this helps you, if you're into dates and things, write 626 BC uh, in there, next to in the 13th year of Josiah's reign. And it says, he uh, prophesied until the downfall and exile of Jerusalem in the fifth month, the 11th year of Zedekiah. So that is in, what, 587, 586 B.C. You could write that in your margins there. So you get a sense of it. You know, he's around for 40 years, kind of like Moses, right? I mean, Moses had three different parts of his life. Each were 40 years in length. Okay, now here's a great anti-abortion verse, which I suggest that you underline in crayon. The word of the Lord came to me thus, and here's what I want you to underline. Verse 5. This is God talking to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. So you're a real person at conception, right? Uh, you are not a real person only when you are born. You know, now as I'm speaking, there are states that are allowing late-term abortions and even after-birth uh, 
abortions, if you want to call it that. And um, so, uh, anyway, that's a that's a great uh, against abortion verse that I suggest that you underline. God knows you when you are in the womb. You are a person when you are in the womb. It's not, uh, you know, you, you have all the, the features. You, you are a human, okay? And so, uh, anyway, that, that is a verse frequently used uh, by pro-life activists. Okay, and so God comes to him, and in verse 6, Jeremiah says, Lord, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. Okay, excuses, excuses. What's your excuse, right? Why aren't you doing more for the kingdom of God? Are you afraid to speak? Okay, well, get over it. Or maybe your thing is, is acts of service. We are all made to do what? If you grew up in Catholic school, you've heard me say this many times, um, or if you, if you at least grew up in CCD classes, why were you made? Well, uh, the, the Baltimore Catechism says you were made to what? Uh, to know, love, and serve God in this world so as to be happy with him in the next. Jeremiah is going to discover that he's probably not going to be all that happy on this world, okay? But he's got a greater reward. But how you do this, that's up to you. So give some prayer. How are you supposed to serve the Lord? So Jeremiah is told, "Hey, you're supposed to uh, you're supposed to be a prophet to the nations," and he and he's got an excuse. I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. Um, but the Lord says, uh, "Hey, um, don't say you're too young. I'm I'm gonna send you out. Don't have any fear because I'm with you to deliver you." So you you may want to underline uh, verses uh, seven and eight as well. Not gonna make you do that. But uh, ask yourself, what am, what is keeping in the way of me doing service to the Lord or, or more service or different service? And just pray about that, okay? Okay. Anyway, so he, in chapter 2 and, and on, he starts talking about the ways that Israel has not served God. And his biggest gripe of all of them, and he's got many of them, is idolatry. Throughout the years, the Israelites have chosen to fall back into not only allowing foreign gods, but actually participating with foreign gods. And we've seen this all throughout the Old Testament that we've studied so far, right? Uh, sometimes it's just, well, we put up with these things because the other people in the area have these gods and we don't want to offend anybody. And then sometimes they actually, you know, get into the, the worship of it. So, for example, in chapter 2, you may want to underline the second part of verse 5. Um, they withdrew from me. They went after uh, empty idols. Okay. And I'm not even going to tell you all the times he talks about uh, against worshiping idols. And we've talked about this before. We might say, well, we don't worship foreign gods. Oh, come on, we do. Uh, we, we worship money. We worship power. We worship prestige. We worship uh, our houses, you know, uh, or other people's houses. What, what are the things that you desire more than God? Well, that is your idol or idols, right? So he talks a, a lot about that. And I'll just say that. Um, then 
in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 18, he talks about the bad political alliances that Judah has made. Now, why why go to Egypt to drink the waters of the Nile? You know, they uh, the different factions tried to make make uh, Egypt an alley. That's going to prove to be bad for them in the long run. And uh, before that, they went to Assyria to uh, try, you know, to just pay them off. And that didn't work out very well either. Again, <clears throat> God wanted them to follow him and not make these shaky political alliances that will end up uh, backfiring. So that's what uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 18 is referring to uh, when it makes reference to those two uh, countries. Okay, so basically... Um, Jeremiah is saying, hey, it's too late. It's kind of like a Carol King song from the 70s. It's too late, baby, now it's too late. But he says, he always gives a little bit of hope here. In chapter 3, you may want to underline this, chapter, chapter 3, verse 12 and 13. I will not remain angry with you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not continue my wrath forever. Only know your guilt. Okay, you got to repent, right? Personally, look at yourself. What do you need to repent of? Know your guilt, how you rebelled against the Lord, your God. Well, all sin is rebelling against the Lord, right? So it's it, this. even though this book is, you know, is uh, predates Christ by 500 years, so that makes it, what, 2,500 and some years old, um, some things remain uh, true. Um, he's talking about the people of Judah, I mean, the nation of Judah, but the same things apply to us as individuals. He gives us more hope in chapter 3, verse 17. Uh, they will, at some time, they will call Jerusalem the Lord's throne. There all nations will be gathered together to honor the name of the Lord at Jerusalem and they will walk no longer in their hard-hearted wickedness. In those days, the house of Judah will join the house of Israel. Remember, two separate nations up to that point. Together they will come from the land to the north to the land which I gave to your fathers as heritage. So, um, anyway, there we have that. Moving on, what are some other good things to underline? Uh, chapters four and five, uh, you know, he's basically saying, hey, we're, we're going to get it. We deserve it, you know. And, um, and but again, a message of hope. After all of the we deserve what we're going to get, uh, you may choose to underline verse uh, chapter five, uh, where again, verse 18, uh, he says, um, um, I will not wholly destroy you. And verse 19, when they ask, why has the Lord done all these things to us? Say to them, as you have forsaken me, God, to serve strange gods, again, idolatry in your own land, so shall you serve strangers in a land not your own. And we will see, and we have seen, that the people will be deported to Babylon when the Babylonians uh, overwhelm the uh, the city there. Um, okay, what's the next thing to point out? I've got another good anti-abortion verse for you. Underline, if you will, 
Jeremiah chapter 7, um, verse 31. He says, In the valley of Ben-Hinnom they have built the high place of Topeth to immolate in fire their sons and their daughters. So what does that mean? They would sacrifice their children to these foreign gods. And the, and the Jewish people would, would uh, go along with that. And he says, such a thing as I've never commanded or had in mind. Okay, so that's kind of a pretty strong um, anti-abortion verse. So they were making sacrifices to foreign gods of children. And I would submit that with an abortion, we are making a sacrifice of our children to the god of what? Independence, you know, in individual independence, convenience, uh, etc. Okay, so a couple of good ones in, in there. Uh, chapter 7, verse 31, another anti-abortion verse. Well, here we are moving along, but it uh, looks to me like we're about out of time. So let's consider what we've looked at so far and in the life of Jeremiah and go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, we thank you for a, a man of courage, Jeremiah, who even as things are falling apart, he didn't tell the kings, he didn't tell the people what they wanted to hear. He told them what they needed to hear, which was, hey, we need to repent we need to turn things around. We need to accept that we have brought on our, our own demise there. Um, but he also brought a message of hope. It's like after we've repented, God will not forget us. And we know you won't forget us either, um, though we, we uh, sin each day, most of us anyway. And so we're, we're thankful that you want to lead us and would we just allow that you would lead us uh, would, uh, would be much better for us. Um, we ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.